Welcome back, all of our listeners, to the Spiritual Depth Academy. I'm glad you guys are here. Um, so far, we have asked the questions: What does this? What has this month taught us about God? And now, what does this month? What have we learned about ourselves this month? So, you could pause here if you wanted to pause and think about those questions, answer those questions, and yeah, glad you're here. Yeah. Or you can not pause because it's probably going to be a really long, awkward silence anyway. If I had to guess. <clears throat> Allison, what did you learn about yourself this month? This morning? This month? Oh. <laughs> did you sure. learn something about yourself this morning? She probably did. <laughs> she sure did. Sure did. What did I learn about myself this month? Um, I learned about my tendency to um, pull away. Or I guess not lean into the things that I'm supposed to lean into that I need to lean into hmm. when I'm stressed and worried and um, overwhelmed. So the first, like, the instinct is to not turn to sitting down with the Bible and praying. And it's the instinct is to just go worry about it. Yeah. Um, but I'm aware of it now. And uh, was able to push myself to, okay, hold on. I'm going to go sit down. I like to sit in my swing. Go sit in my swing. The Bible. I love that. I do. I like to sit in my swing and read the Bible, listen to the podcast, and pray. And it's amazing how that uh, turns things around because, but it's also, it just amazes me how we just, why don't we just go there first? I don't, I don't know why I don't just go there first. I, I, let me go worry. <laughs> and when I'm done worrying. Then I'll make, if I have time, I guess I'll read and pray. And that's just like, I, I'm sure God's like, Allison, really? Like, <laughs> I'm here. Hmm. Yeah. Not me. And you look at a guy like Jeremiah, you know, because we read so much Jeremiah last month. You look at a guy like Jeremiah who had so much to be worried about mm-hmm. and so much going wrong. And what his first instinct always was, mm-hmm. you know, even when he had questions, he went to God with him. Mm-hmm. You know, so fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, he's walking around with the earphone. Hmm. <laughs> Okay, so the final question is, what do we do with it? What are you going to do with God's word based on your reading this past month? What has he convicted you of? What is he, what is he leading you to do with the reading of his word? I think for me, it's growing in dependence on God. Hmm. So I'm good at depending on myself. I'm good at depending on the advice of others for the most part but I'm not great um, at depending on God for certain things. For some things, absolutely. For certain things I need to get better at depending on Him more growing in dependence. And we could see, you know, as we read through this, the scriptures, we see that with the prophets and, um, and others, the importance to depend upon God and, and lean on Him instead of what you feel or what you believe or what they say yeah yeah absolutely uh, <clears throat> that's that's uh, that's a good reminder for me all the time i'm always 
reading things, listening to things, and I always have to ground myself in, okay, where's my dependence upon God with all this? Because the tricky part with that, that I learned this month too, is dependence on um, whatever God's will is going to be. Like, because this month, you know, this past couple weeks, I've been praying for something, obviously. And everyone's like, God will take care of it. You're not trusting. You're not needing to trust. And I realized it wasn't, it wasn't, it was more that I was afraid of what his decision was going to be and whether or not I would be able to handle the outcome. And then that just proves that I was trying to do it by myself, I guess, because I knew he may not answer it the way I think or want him to. Yeah. And it hurts. <clears throat> but like you said, just finding the ability, like trying to depend on him through that too. Like, and trust that his his plan is, is going to work. It's for, for the good. Yeah. Hmm. And depend even in those times. Because then after it was all over and a prayer was answered in the way that I wanted it to be. And I heard so many people, you know, see, I told you, see, I told you. And I was like, right. That wasn't that it didn't have to work out that way, and that still would have been God answering the prayer, right? And it, but sure. it would have been painful, yeah. And that's why I was scared, and I need to learn to be dependent, yeah, even when it hurts. I think for me, learning to be dependent on God looks like understanding that I'm not the one who's going to fix anyone, you know. Like, I mean, especially as a preacher, you think, like, well, if I just give the right sermon, you know, or you know, as a, you know, a teacher, a Bible teacher, you know, if I just show them the right things in the Bible, you know, but it's it's not, it's not, me. and you know, I think about the prophets and. I mean, on paper, they were all failures, right? Like, on paper, but they all got exiled, you know? So, like, but they weren't failures because they were true to what God called them to. And it wasn't up to them to fix Israel and Judah. God was going to do that, and he used the exile to do that. So, just think changing the metric for that and, like, taking the pressure off myself for that, too. Like, How ridiculous did they probably look? In the I mean, moment, Isaiah was totally naked for three right. years. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure people were like, oh. hey, "Hey, Ezekiel, why are you playing on one side for 360 days?" Like, yeah, they did probably look ridiculous. Oh, really hey, also, uh, I saw that you baked some bread with that poop. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Allison, you think it did look a little ridiculous? Pass. Okay, let's just take a few moments and have a few of you share. What you have learned this past month, what God has spoken to you as you read his word. Calm down. Not everyone at once. Chill. Man. Yeah, please. Steve's not here to kick it off. So we got Michelle. It's good. All right, Michelle. Praise God for that. But it does take, it does take drastic means to get your attention to come back to Him. Yeah. To worship Him or to serve Him and figure out what your idols are and get rid of them. Yeah. 
But he's always engaged and he doesn't abandon us. He's always trying to bring us back. Mm. But he will punish when it's needed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> Anybody else? What you learned this past month you'd like to share? How about an application? Like a what do we do with this? Can someone share one of those? But what do we do with a month of Bible reading? Surely it changed our lives in some way. Helping me to keep my eyes on him. Hmm. Just keep focusing and loving him more and trusting him more. Good. Love that. Finding out with ourselves that we need to apply ourselves. We need to give him our time and not just try to fit him in a nook or cranny somewhere. Mm. I find that with myself. I don't get right at it first thing in the morning with coffee, of course. And, you know, (laughs) give him that time to where I can study the word and listen to what he's telling me instead of if I miss it, or then I try to find, okay, well, I can get it in between this and this. And I don't feel as if I'm really giving it, you know, I'm not giving him myself. Yeah. You know, and isn't that kind of what Israel was doing, right? Yeah. 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 Like really be focused on the time that I give him. Absolutely. It's kind of what we said. We should give God his place, and his place is number one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That, that's what I appreciate about YouTube is, like, and, it, and it's, I know it's kind of a joke on the reading, t- Chip's got to go by too, but that's for your prayer walk. Yeah. It's right. Nothing else. Set in stone. With that. And, I, and I love that. That's encouraging to me. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Anybody else? You had something on, or you're yeah, trying yeah. to kill that fly? I was trying to kill the fly. Oh, okay. <laughs> I wasn't sure. You look pretty excited. You're like, she was, I was wondering too. I was like, she's got something to <laughs> we'll, say. we'll get to you. We're going to get to you. Now? Yes, now is the time. Oh, Please. Okay. <laughs> you can wait 10 minutes. Now I forgot what I was going to say. Yes. No, you missed, you missed That's so good. Yeah. I love that. That's true. And stand for what God wants us to stand for. Jeremiah. He stood for it. Even though it was miserable yeah. for him to be there. <coughs> Absolutely. It's, I think you want to know. Micah was speaking. Yeah, there. and I think you want to know. Who's in charge? Is Micah in charge of I'll take care. As long as I have one kid left to donate me a kidney oh, if I need it. Gosh. I'd like to remind everybody that Hannah's out of town. Yes, yes. Michelle is a great 
kid watcher, and I bet they're playing hide and seek. That's what I would bet. And now all of you listeners at home know that as well. <laughs> and the whole thing about the kidney that I was joking. No, you weren't. I was joking about that. Allison said she'd give me a kidney if I needed it anyway. I would. I would oh. I would. Oh, wow. I thought I signed you up for something. No, it's fine. Okay. I'd, I'd do that Appreciate for anybody. That. Um, do you want to go uh, through the guided reading questions? Sure. Do you have them? I do. <laughs> so in your reading from last month, first question was, how does understanding whether a prophet is pre-mid, post-exile affect your understanding of his tone and message? <coughs> hmm. Yes. Okay. It's just the, it's the difference between having prior knowledge or having, or having hindsight or not having knowledge of something that's happening. Sure. It's um, a big part of it. Yeah. When you read the mid-exilic and post-exilic prophets, it's hard to say, boy, they don't know what's coming. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. Mm-hmm. It helps to see where Israel was at at that point. Yeah. And then... As you read, you know, uh, further on, then you see that that's fulfilled. So it's, you know, where are they at? <coughs> kind of like what you were saying today mm-hmm. about, you know, was Israel being unfaithful? Yeah. Was Israel following or not the laws of God? Absolutely. Yeah, to know where Israel is. Yeah, it's good. And knowing the intended audience, kind of where they were, makes a huge difference. Absolutely. And it kind of takes away sometimes some of what seems just really, really harsh at times. But when you understand the context, then it's kind of like when we said God will punish when necessary. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay, when necessary, he'll smack us upside the head. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Because it's necessary and he loves us too much to let us continue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's very true. when it's mid because God also paints a picture of hope for them. Sure. Mm-hmm. So they're in exile but he promises them there mm-hmm. will be a remnant that yeah. mm-hmm, he will still restore them. It would be important to hear while you're in Yeah, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That letter from Jeremiah to the exiles, like that's such a powerful letter to me because it's something that we can read as citizens of the kingdom of God in this world. You know, and take every single line that he said, like, thrive there, you know, plant your vineyards and all that. And it's like, yeah, we should build a good life here in this kingdom. And because, like, we should be, I mean, just all was like, but still live separately. Don't fall into their worship. Don't do, and it just was so, just reading that, I've been in that mindset a lot lately. It was a really cool thing. I had a little question. It's kind of a small sidebar. Okay, love it. When he says, get married, marry while you're there. I love that he told Jeremiah to buy land in the middle of it all <laughs> because I mean to me that's like him showing uh, he, it's okay yeah. like I'm gonna yeah. bring you back and we're gonna because why would you buy land right then <laughs> he's in jail <laughs> like, okay I'll buy land but you know to trust and to do and I almost feel like that was an encouragement from God, you know. Yeah. That's what I was just going to say, is that God, God's encouragement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. 
What is some of the vivid imagery that you notice in the prophetical books we've read or are reading? Scary, shocking. <laughs> eat your children, eat your dung. I mean, oh. <laughs> yeah. Gross. I mean, in that eat your children thing just really shows where Israel is as a nation. Like, mm-hmm. I, I know I would starve to death before I ate my child. I mean, I know that. But they just... Yeah. Um, no, they, I, I'm not saying I would do that, but I would want to. But they say, supposedly, that if you're so hungry, you don't even know what you're doing. Hmm. It can get to that point. And they did, because I read the history of Jerusalem. And they got to the point where they were so, and other uh, nations where there's been Wow. Starvation. Yeah, it does. Yeah, they, sure. they actually will go insane, and then when they realize what they've done, of course, they're horrified. Right. But literally, like in the cartoons, where like the rabbits are doing something. Yeah, it's, <coughs> they, yeah. Well, that's fascinating, and I've learned something today. Well, it makes sense. Think about how we get after, you know, mm-hmm. several I mean, hours. I just of ate not some eating. of that. Puffed corn that mm-hmm. Glory made, and already all of you are starting to look like puffed corn. <laughs> <laughs> we start looking like cinnamon puffed. Oh, that's a real problem. You're not, no one's safe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what about like you know the sermon today, like that imagery? You know, that's very strong imagery. Yeah. Well, so he uses um, things that we as humans can relate to Mm -hmm. um, that we would find horrific or you know we would find (coughs) you know um, things that we would see in everyday life and Mm -hmm. that that's I mean not eating your children obviously but you know what I'm saying something that's going to really impact us Mm -hmm. but on human terms Mm -hmm. I have a question that's sort of I was thinking it today when you were talking, giving us a little bit of the history between Judah and Israel. And, um, is, the, is that division, is there a division still among the Israelites? If you are from the tribe of Judah, or was it Judah and Benjamin, were those the southern, two southern? Mm-hmm. Is, there, is there a division there to, now? Between. So it got really complicated. <clears throat> so officially, the northern kingdom never officially returned from exile. They stayed as a dispersed people. Yeah. And so they were living in Assyria when Babylon conquered Assyria and when Greece conquered Babylon. Or when when Persia conquered Babylon, that we saw, you know, uh, Esther and that. And, mm-hmm. and then when Greece conquered Persia. And so what they became was Hellenized. Jews, meaning Greek-speaking, Greek-thinking Jews. Um, But some would come back into the land where Israel was, Mm -hmm. and they would intermarry with the people who had uh, gone there while Israel, the northern kingdom, was gone. Mm -hmm. And they so they go into that area, and they're sort of (laughs) Jew-ish, you know? Like, and we call, in the Bible, we read about those as Samaritans. And so, like, there's a division even in the New Testament between Samaritans who were partially Jewish and Hellenized Jews and the Hebraic Jews of Jerusalem. There's not so much like a northern-southern kingdom division as much as there is that explosion out into the world has caused so many different cultures 
to seep in and then therefore so many different divisions to seep in. Now, today, I would say, you know, the big divisions that I'm aware of in Judaism, which admittedly I'm not aware of, are, are Messianic mm-hmm. divisions, right? Those who believe in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zionist um, uh, divisions, meaning those who believe in the rebuilding of Jerusalem in the temple and those who don't. Mm-hmm. Those are the two big divisions that I know about today, but I'm not really up to date on modern Jewish culture, if I'm being honest. I just didn't know if, and I'm assuming if you're, if you're Jewish, you know what tribe your family is from, I would think. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's a great question. Yeah, that's a good question. What were the fruits of Jeremiah's ministry? Was he a successful prophet or a failure, and why? That sounds like a loaded question, Allison, that you made up on your own by yourself. I am. But yeah, that's what I <coughs> That's exactly what I told her when we were talking about it. <laughs> Is it? He did, too. <laughs> Allison's tricky. She makes up loaded questions all the time. I didn't miss Allison by name. It's assumed. It should be. He was a failure. I mean, didn't he, in a lot of ways, just like, uh, here we go again? Why was I born? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But he wasn't. By earthly standards, he was a failure. Mm -hmm. By God's standards, he was successful because he was obedient. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So what were the fruits of his ministry then? We still read his word today. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Jeremiah, Lamentations, First and Second Kings. Like, those are the fruits of his ministry. I mean, he has four books of the Bible. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of scripture that that dude wrote. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's a great answer. Um, what does Habakkuk's dialogue with God mean to you personally, and have you ever felt as he does? Well, he, um, he struggled a lot. And he was, he shows us that we can be open and honest with God, question things, mm-hmm. and, you know, have a con- an honest conversation with him, and that he's not going to turn away from us, and he's there to listen. Mm-hmm. I think with Habakkuk is that, you know, he was saying, you know, bring, bring judgment you know, on your people. But, and the guy says, okay. And he's like, oh, no, not the Babylonians. Yeah. Like yeah. anybody but them, not them. The guy says, no, I'm going to use them. And then I'll also take care of them so you don't have to worry about it. So I kind of think today we're the same way, how God, God will allow the unrighteous to prosper, you know, and it's frustrating sometimes, mm-hmm. so frustrating to humble ourselves under that. But we got to realize, like he dealt with the Babylonians later, he will deal with <coughs> our enemies and mm-hmm. the evil later. And we just trust him through that period of just trying to like not fully understand why he's using the Babylonians <laughs> to do that. scripture I'm learning to hold it with an open hand and trust God and that's okay for me if I can't fully make sense of it or mm-hmm. feel good about it so I feel like Jeremiah probably felt that way too sometimes yeah that's a great point we were talking about that this morning in the worship before worship the worship team was talking about um 
Somebody said that I've got to, I've got to remember that I may not understand any of this until I get to heaven. And Tim Kirtley said, and then it won't matter. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you're right. None of it won't even matter. That's true. I think a lot of that comes to you understand it at the right time when you, you know, it may not be applicable today, but 10 years down the road it might be, and you've got a basic knowledge of it at that time, you know, now, so when it does come, you're, you know, kind of there, yeah, yeah it's in, your, in, your, in your mind, yeah. floating around, and you're kind of ready to use it when the time comes. And that's kind of the conclusion he wraps up with. You know, I mean, when, when he says, the Sovereign Lord is my strength, he makes me as sure-footed as a deer able to tread upon heights. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, hey, I don't get all of this, but I understand that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that's one of the keys in terms of, as we study the Bible and we learn more about who God is, that's where our trust is mm -hmm. in, in the character of God in who he is mm -hmm. that's that's what we can hang on to when everything around us seems to be collapsing mm -hmm. so true so true and it caused me to reflect back on what's gone on in my life the things that yeah oh no not this oh yeah it did happen but there was good that came out <coughs> Down the road, there was good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I, I trusted him, and I thought, why am I in? Oh, okay, you're in charge. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, did you pass out the? Is that the? Same? I did. Does anyone need a handout? Didn't get one. Sharon, is your plus one joining us today? So my thought, and this is again off the cuff without doing any sort of language study on this, because sometimes those are interpretive of the people who translated the text from Hebrew to English. So they'll add that interpretation in there. Kind of like today when I was talking about Hosea and Gomer and how some interpreters have said, go marry a prostitute. And I don't think that's really what it said. Um, so it could be that, but I'm not going to hide behind that because I haven't done the research. What I would say is uh, if God does say he hates certain people, it's probably a case of divine accommodation. So what I mean by that is God making his emotional spectrum available to us in words that we understand. So we can't necessarily understand or fully experience the emotions of God. So maybe the closest thing we have is hate. But I would say God's hate wouldn't be the same as human hate. You know, our hate is very retributive, very destructive. God's hate 
Um, his it would probably be closely linked to his anger, his wrath, his justice, and those things are um, rehabilitative most of the time. And we see that in Israel and Judah, especially, right? So um, that's kind of where I would go with it, without doing any sort of study whatsoever. So. If in 10 years, like Jeff said, I'm looking back on this moment and going, wow, Eric was so stupid at 38. That's why, because um, I've done no study on this. But that's what I would say for now. So sometimes God just uses language that we can understand because we can't understand everything about him, kind of like the idolatry, adultery deal today, right? Like we can't understand what it's like to have someone idolatry us. Right? Kind of similar to a nuclear scientist trying to explain to me their work. Sure. And it's probably never going to be exactly... What, like if I sat here and tried to explain the Trinity, you know, we're never going to wrap our minds around that. And there's people that are like, no, it's like an egg. No, it's not like an egg because not all the substances of the egg are the same, right? So, or it's like water. It can be ice or steam or water. No, because it's not all three at the same time. So we can never fully understand the Trinity. And we'll probably never fully understand the emotional spectrum of God. And so he probably is using language then in scripture to just help us understand. The other part is to understand um, are most of those instances in prophecy, like as you read them? Um, I was going to say, I made notes about, because one of them I thought was just recent. Um, so Jeremiah 12, 8 okay. is one, Hosea 9, 15. Mm-hmm. So. But there's, I just found, remembered in Romans he says, Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. Right. Mm-hmm. I found that one too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I always wondered about that one. But then it just goes on to say, I'll have mercy on him, I have mercy. Well, I that's comparative. That, yeah, that's that's comparative. Right. Yeah. So, uh, what I would say is like the prophetical ones. It's really easy to just say, well, this is their poetry. The prophet spoke in poetry, and so the the language then would be hyperbole. more extreme and probably hyperbole. Yeah. Like yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So that that would be my initial off the cuff answer. I can't talk to you as much about poetry as Allison can because she's a literaturer, but. Um, yep. I need a t-shirt to wear on the first day of work <laughs> I'm a literature and we're going to be sending you home yeah, exactly. <laughs> who hired her okay right. want to go into you. this mm-hmm. Okay. I think we'll get out of here on time okay so we're going to go through the, the list here it's going to be great it's going to be incredible amazing Obadiah. <clears throat> Obadiah is the shortest book of the Old Testament. Having only 21 verses. It was written during the time that Judah was being overrun by the Babylonians. Good. This book is about the deep division between the descendants of Jacob and the descendants of Esau. Esau. Laura, batting a thousand up front. Also known as the Edomites. E-D-O-M-I-T-E-S. Their judgment is due to the fact that they refused to aid their relatives during the Babylonian attack on Jerusalem. Edom, it's the next one there, Edom had a deep history of disagreement with Israel 
beginning with the rivalry between Jacob and Esau. Continuing when Israel was not permitted to cross through Edom, During the Exodus. <coughs> and finally, when Edom refused to aid Judah while they were being overrun. The author of the book is Obadiah. One of the minor prophets. Everyone thought it was going to be a trick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pete. <laughs> The ongoing theme of Obadiah is God's judgment toward the continuous pride of the Edomites. Okay, moving on to the book of Ezekiel. The book of Ezekiel exists in four basic segments. The prediction of Jerusalem's destruction. And that's chapters 1 through 24. The prediction of God judging the surrounding nations. And that's 25 through 32. Israel's call to repentance. In chapter 23. And a prediction of future restoration. 34 through 48. So future restoration, 34 through 48. it's 33 yeah it's 33 i think you said 23 oh yeah 23 yeah Yeah, it's 33 it's 33 sorry israel's call to repentance is 33 sorry i'm not a math agizer he's not I love the Josh Pusaw. That's great. I want a pair. Okay. The author of the book is Ezekiel. Said with confidence from Nancy. Thank you. Shut up, Nancy. I did. Way to be confident over there. Yeah. I thought you were going to flip that yeah. table. Must be that water. Who is from the priestly line? I would love if you flip that table. That would be great. The author of the book is Ezekiel, who's from the priestly line. And would have become a priest if not for the captivity. Ugh. He is a contemporary, means he writes and prophesies at the same time. Anyone know? Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Who's your other big mid exile prophet? No, not Isaiah. Hmm. Does it start with a D? Okay. 
Daniel, good. <laughs> Jeremiah and Daniel. Ezekiel uses extreme language, as we will all awkwardly read together in his book. And extreme and strange methods in communicating God's message to Judah. So language and methods. Some examples of his behavior are shaving his head. Yeah. Is it Chip? Somebody that's drinking right now. Oh, oh, because hey, Tim had a long time ago. Destroying a clay portrait of Jerusalem. Laying on his side for 430 days. That's, yeah, that's right. So 390 on one side and then 40 on the other. And eating bread. Baked using human feces as fuel. Yeah. Uh, Ezekiel definitely has it the worst out of all the prophets. Just saying. How come they, we were looking at that? And, uh, <laughs> Need a recipe, Jeff. <laughs> we'll get that to you, Jeff. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get that to you. Using the human feces to start the fire. Hey, dude, yeah, he didn't eat it. No, I don't even need it. It says it's fuel. Oh, it's fuel, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, it just kind of surprised me. I'd seen that before. Yeah. And it said, you know, but then you read the actual scripture, and it was, that was just used to Yeah, it was the yeah. fuel, but, you know, it's like how we hickory smoke things. So you get that, get that. Bison, they did that with bison. Okay, That's what I thought, too. I mean, if there was dried cow chips, I mean, but... I don't know. I'll let you guys try it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pass. I'll pass. We'll give that to you. Share with your group. <laughs> the themes of Ezekiel are God's sovereignty over the world. <coughs> oh, it's Steve. What's up, man? I thought he was the blanks. Sovereignty over the world. Dedication to God's revelation. And future hope. What's neat, or what I don't know, neat or whatever you want to call it, is that that's originally what he was supposed to do. Yeah. And he said to God, "No, please don't make me do that." And God said, "Okay." <laughs> she was nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna move on to Haggai. Haggai is a post-exilic book. These are kind of the finally, when you're reading the prophets, it's like, finally, we're back from exile. Meaning it was written after the Jews had returned from exile in Babylon, probably around 520 B.C. So the Jews returned under Cyrus at 538 B.C., but Haggai is written around 520, so 18 years later. Ezra, hmm, identifies both Haggai and, anyone know? No, not as a prophet. 
identifies both Haggai and Zechariah as prophets over the returned exiles. The message of these two prophets is to continue rebuilding Jerusalem despite opposition from neighboring peoples. Oh no. Oh no. The author is most likely Haggai, the minor prophet. The major themes of Haggai are persistence in the plan of God. Haggai? Courage through opposition. And the security of God's people. On to Zechariah here. The book of Zechariah is a post-exilic book. Most likely written in two different segments. As, seg- as evidenced, excuse me, as evidenced by differences in language and style. <coughs> the first segment, most likely chapters 1 through 8, thematically mirrors Haggai. I'm very tempted to leave out a chapter again and see if I can get any of you squirming, but I won't. The second segment is chapters 9 through 14. This is a very heavily messianic, it's heavily messianic in theme. M-E-S-S-I-A-N-I-C. Your burglar husband has the paper if you need it. Because he robbed me. predicting so it's heavily messianic in theme predicting both the first and second comings of Christ the first section is likely written around the same time as Haggai in 520 BC And this might blow your mind. The second section is likely to have been written in 470 BC. So 50 years later, Zechariah went back and finished things out under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Okay, Malachi. Oh, that's a good trivia question right at the beginning. Cool. Okay, we all there? Good. Malachi is the last prophecy of the Old Testament and the final prophet before... There's a prophet before Jesus. John the Baptist. J the B. The final prophet before John the Baptist comes on the scene before Jesus. About whom Malachi also prophesies. Malachi was written around 400 BC. After Malachi... 
Israel entered a period, no, period known as the Silent Years. Good shout out. Silent Years. Wherein God did not speak through the prophets. The purpose of Malachi is to correct the wrong behaviors of the Israelites, such as ignoring sacrificial laws, divorcing their wives, and failing to tithe. I don't know. I don't remember reading. Anything. I don't think so. Mm -hmm. Okay, I love this. So if you have the teacher, if you have the teacher sheet, it just randomly has the word Malachi in a period there. But if you have the student sheet, it does not have that. So if you have a teacher sheet, you can ignore that. Okay, the theme of Malachi is communicating God's desire for the obedience of his people and his promise of deliverance through the Messiah. Okay, we have two more books to go through. We got plenty of time. Okay, Book of Jonah. What a guy. So I'm going to share with you guys something that I read while I was kind of studying for this. And um, this kind of blew my mind. So it's Jewish tradition. It's rabbinic tradition. It's in Talmud that Jonah is the boy that Elijah brought back to life and that he was a disciple of Elisha. So very interesting. Yeah, it's not in scripture, but it's pretty interesting that they, that's their tradition. No, 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 but it's just interesting. Okay. I don't think she believed that it's interesting. No, she I thought it was interesting. She care. Nancy didn't think it was interesting. No, I, just I thought it was interesting. Was about. Yeah. No, just well, interesting. No. No, there's 66 books in the Bible, and that's it. Okay. Jonah is the comedic story. I know you guys are all thinking it's not funny, but it is. Just watch. A comedic story of a prophet who broke all the rules of being a prophet. Jonah, intentionally or otherwise, seems to be a parody of other prophets. <clears throat> Unlike Jeremiah, Isaiah, or Ezekiel, among others, Jonah rejects the call of God upon his life. He is thrown overboard by pagans, Obeying Yahweh. He prays, and we'll talk about what this means next month more. He prays a thanksgiving psalm. A thanksgiving psalm for the deliverance God had not yet provided him. Kings in Israel always rejected prophets. 
But the king of Nineveh eagerly accepts Jonah's message. The image of even the animals repenting and wearing burlap. Sackcloth. Sure. I live in America. (laughs) Is outlandish and is a stark contrast to the reaction of Israel to God's prophecy. Jonah only says, this is a long one, says a few words. Jonah only says a few words to his audience. But the other prophets wrote and spoke long discourses. The date of the events of the book of Jonah is around 793 to 758 BC. 793 to 758 BC. It is unknown when the events were written down. The author of the book of Jonah may be Jonah, but he's always referred to in the third person. So Jonah just takes all of what it is to be a prophet and flips it on its head, right? And that's only a short list of the differences. I mean, you get me talking about the plant and the worm and all those things at the end. I mean, it's like, it's really just, he's the opposite. Everything is the opposite in Jonah than with all the other prophets. It's all the opposite. It really reads like a comedy. So last up, Joel. I think that, So this is the order of the Bible as we're reading it. This is not the order of the Bible, obviously, as it's written, or the order of the Bible chronologically. But this is just the way that it happens in the Immerse Bible series. And so I think Jonah gets put at the end because it's a different genre. It's not really prophecy. It really is. When you talk about literary genre, it really is a comedy, a parody. Um, And then Joel. Joel is a difficult book of the Bible to date, which is why it's placed at the end here with scholars disagreeing about whether it was written before or after the exile. Uh, This is just my opinion I'm inserting here. Internal evidence suggests it was written before. The major events described in the book of Joel are a plague of locusts, a plague of locusts that destroys Jerusalem and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. which happened at Pentecost 800 years later. The key theme of the book of Joel is the Day of the Lord, capital D, capital L. Which is discussed as a day of both judgment and restoration.
Okay. <clears throat> Since we'll be finishing the prophetic books um, this month, we're just going to do some reflection here. So, which, this is the guided reading, which of the prophetical books was most impactful to you? If possible, list both a minor and major prophet and how their writing spoke to you. That should create some really good discussion if you guys take that one seriously. Uh, what are some encouraging and frustrating aspects of the prophetical writings? So we've talked about some of the frustrations, but let's talk about some of the encouragements as well. <laughs> and this one's fun. Would you want to be an Old Testament prophet? Why or why not? So I'll let you guys talk about that because it might be a loaded question, Jeff. Never know. Yeah. Nobody eat anything Jeff bakes. <laughs> That's right. Christy bakes. Yeah. Okay. Allison, did you have anything for Any us? You said shots? you definitely wanted to say several things. I said that? Yeah, you said you had a list of several things. I that don't you have to a say. list. <laughs> I do want to say start thinking New Testament is coming in the next, what, is October? It's usually, usually October. Usually yeah. around October. So we have a, a big responsibility of who be thinking, who, who am I going to get on board with this? Um, that's a great starting place, especially for somebody who has not ever read or is, a, is intimidated by reading. Um, and we'll hype that up a lot, too, uh, on our end. But really think about who, who can I be asking. And also, don't, um, don't, don't limit God in that because it, it, a lot of times I feel like we think, oh, so-and-so wouldn't probably be interested. Mm. But God, God does lots of things. <laughs> so if he's laid somebody on your heart to talk to and say, hey, you should start listening to the podcast, um, do it. Because it'll surprise you that people will start re listening. And, yeah. and we lay it all out for them with the podcast. So all they have to do is listen. So be praying and thinking about that. Yep. Love it. Okay. Oh, that was a gentle mic set down, which I well, think means that we're done. Well, I didn't want it to be loud. It wasn't a mic drop. It was like a gentle. Yes. That was nice. Yep. Yeah, I think we all do. Good job. Yeah. Oh, De Deborah. Do we have any business cards that have Chippenary Weekly We do not. Oh. We www. We we could. We could. I, I run into a lot of people. Okay. Okay. I love that. Yeah, I mean. The whole, the whole kind of vibe of this podcast is to empower people. So if we can empower you to invite people, then that's what we'll do. Yeah. I was also um, just told that someone is looking into deca car decals for us. Mm -hmm. Say that loud. Car decals. Someone is looking into. <laughs> we have socks. We have socks. Yes, we do. <laughs> chip, chip, uh, if you had, if you didn't see Josh Pugh's socks today, they have Chip and Eric's face on them. So they're, he's they're not in the room. Socks. They're what really do you put a sock on a car for. No, they're really special. Car sock, Laura. Yeah, Come on, Laura. Duh, car, car sock. Car, sock. Oh, it's a boot. <laughs> yeah, you put a sock on, then they put the boot on. I thought maybe it was something you hung off your antenna or something. Well, Laura, we'll get you a sock to hang off your antenna. No problem at all. Like, you know, Jack in the Box, a little bald one. Shoes. You know, a little one with hair. I will. Listen, this is a real commitment. I will pay for the Chip and Eric tattoo. Just saying. So, you tell your friends. I'll pay for it. Do you get to decide where to put it? 
Uh, yeah, I, I don't want I don't want that decision, but I'll pay for it. Well, yeah, I already do. It says it, it, uh, if lost, contact Chip and Eric. <laughs> yeah. Do you you'll pay for the tattoo? I will pay for the tattoo. I'm not joking about that. <laughs> I'll pay for your tattoo. Just the one. Chip and Eric read through the Bible. Yeah. Okay. You want to pray, Chip? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I won't tell your... Nobody... Hey, nobody tell the Bunger kids Don't tell that, my kids. Because I think they'll do it. I think they'll do it, and yeah. I don't want that. Because yeah. I think that would cause a rift. It would be we, Chip versus Eric. It would be bad. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Dear God, thank you for your word, and we're so grateful that you give it to us. Help us to love it, live by it, and to share it. And, Lord, we pray for a great week that you would strengthen us and use us, Lord, to be a light in a dark world and give us opportunities and help us to seize them, maximize them, use them for your honor and glory. Thank you for, again, your word and, and these people here today. Just motivate and move them, continue to read it and to apply it. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Good job. Good job. And that thank you all for reading today. Oh, and that is our <laughs> teaching today. Yeah. Goodbye.